Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. You know what you guys may not know about Red Dog? Played on a national championship JUCO football team. He's kind of built like a cinder block. So don't mess with him, all right? So anyway, no, you, when you see Pastor Red Dog, love on him a little bit. He's got a lot to do, doing a lot of great things. So love all my team, but, uh, you know, just highlighting him today, all right? So he does a great job. Thank you. Anybody else want to weigh in on that? Okay, so... Stand up with me, hold your iPhone, your iPad, or your iBible, or my Bible. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. You know, today's whole message is about your declaration, your confession. And the reason we do this is because we want to remember we are what the Bible says we are. We can do what the Bible says we can do. A lot of things in life are difficult. It was never promised that it would be easy. But that's how come the Bible tells us very clearly, greater is God in us than he who's in the world. So there is an enemy in the world that we need to be aware of. How many of you know it helps to know who the enemy is? Because sometimes what and who you think are your enemies are not your enemies. The reality is the Bible says the thief, which is Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So any destruction that is happening in your life is the fruit of or result of a satanic influence. When I use the word satanic, it sounds strong, or a demonic influence, or a, an influence from hell, to make you believe something that's not true. Right after that verse, Jesus said, but I've come that you might have life and have it to the full or have it more abundantly. So with that said, anything that's happening in our lives that is contrary to blessing and ref reflects cursing of any type is not from God, and that God is a good God who has good things for us. The challenge is that everything in life begins first with a thought. We all have thoughts, sometimes thoughts of good things, and as quickly as we have a thought of a good thing, sometimes somebody comes up and rains on that good thought, and then we have thoughts of bad things, and oftentimes those thoughts become a part of our thinking. How many of you know before you have thinking, you have a thought? Thinking begins with a thought. Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, it says how we're to address a thought. It doesn't say thinking. Why? Because a thought is the seed that will grow if you water it, and it will become a pattern of thinking in your life. So it's not just immediately you begin thinking about something. It's thought that gives birth to thinking. So the Bible says take every thought captive... And make that thought obedient to Christ. Well, how do I make it obedient to Christ? First off, you have to address that thought. 
And you have to say, I'm not going to let that be true in my life. You'll never amount to anything. Some of you heard that growing up. You don't have the intellect. You don't have the skill. You don't have the ability. Uh, all of these things can be said to you. But if you know in your heart of hearts, and there's a thought in there that God has put in there that's something that just refuses to go away, maybe you should start watering that thought, that good thought, that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We are made to believe things that are not true because the things that we believe are often the result of the culture in which we were brought up. So if you were brought up in a middle class or lower, lower middle class culture, there may be the tendency in your life to be a critic of those who prosper. How many of you know that prosperity in the church is still one of the greatest debated topics inside the house of God? There are religious people who don't believe that you should talk about money, and yet God talks about it more than about anything Jesus did when he came to earth. Talked a lot about it. So the reality is, if your paradigm has been poverty growing up, there's a really good chance that you will live at that level unless you change the way you think about it. Just one example. Maybe you have a thought about God being a healer. How many of you know that some people believe the only reason for God and the only reason he sent Jesus was so that we could, when we die, go to heaven? Beyond that, you're stuck with whatever life brings you. And so when I got saved and I was absolutely a wreck prior to giving my life to Christ and, and I didn't know how to be a Christian and some people would say you still don't. So when I got saved, I just thought, man, I just don't want to go to hell. I didn't know anything about anything else, but I had heard of a heaven and I'd heard of a hell. And one sounded a little bit better than the other. And I thought, I think I'm going to go with the good one, you know. Well, <laughs> so I got saved and, you know, I'm listening to all these people. And quite frankly, the little community I grew up in, everybody was just glad I was saved because I raised hell all throughout the community. <laughs> hell is not a cuss word. It's a location. Okay, so I, I was that person. And so when I got saved, there were people who were shocked. There were people who were irritated, people who were amazed. I think some people even got saved just because I got saved. They figure if he can go to heaven, so can I. And so uh, I had had an injury uh, my freshman year in football, and I, I was no bigger than a gnat. As a matter of fact, the reason I was so fast is I was scared of getting hit. And so, but one night, two guys hit me at the same time, one on the right, one on the left. It was a perfect hit, and it twisted my neck around. And that night, I couldn't lift my arm up anymore. And, and I knew I was injured, but if my mother found out, I knew she wouldn't let me play anymore, so I never told her. I just lived with the pain and continued to play. Little did I know, years later, this would haunt me. One day, I'm driving down the road, and and I, I, I couldn't feel my hands, and I couldn't, my limbs began to go numb, and it scared me because I just I had done nothing. And so I visited a doctor, and the doctor uh, did all the x-rays and stuff, and he said, he said, this is the result, and this is when I was 20, so it would have been five, six years later. I was 20 years old. He said, um, he said, you have taken some kind of hit at some point in your life, and as a result of that hit, you now have calcium deposits growing on your spine. And he said, the calcium is restricting the blood flow to your arms. And I said, so in layman's terms, what do we do about this? He said, well, he said, uh, what we're going to do 
You see, he said, we're going to cut on your, we're going to scrape your spine. We're going to go in both sides of your neck, and, and we're going to scrape your spine. Now, how many of you know, it just takes a moment to start believing in healing. I was like, well, you know, I didn't, but now I do. You know, because now I need it, you know. And so all of a sudden, my thinking changed because I didn't get excited about looking like Herman Munster the rest of my life with corks right around my neck. You know, it's like, okay, got scars here. And so sometimes for us to change the way we think, it often takes something that says, I have to really be challenged to convert and adjust the way I think because I want a different outcome than what he's telling me. Well, at that point, and I thought Christians were still a little bit goofy, and there are days I still do. Uh, and so on this particular time, I really felt like what the Lord was requiring of me and asking of me is, will you trust me and will you worship me? And, and you know, because I, I was the guy that just wanted to go to heaven. I didn't know what the, the Lord's prayer even. And, and I didn't know that you know, how Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, heart in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you know or at least have an idea of what you think is happening in heaven? Well, we know in Revelation it says there will be no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more tears. So we know what heaven is like based on Revelation. When we read the book, we realize what heaven is like. We get a, a glimpse into what it's like. So Jesus said, I want you to pray that what's going on in heaven and what heaven is like, that it comes to earth. And so the challenge is, is believing in the presence of God because he's invisible. We can't see him. So the challenge is, how do I change my thinking based on something or someone I cannot see? Which is why most of humanity lives below the standard of God's best is because we measure our lives not by what could be, but we measure our lives by what has been. As a matter of fact, one person said, suffering is the result of two things. One is looking back and saying, I sure wish I hadn't done that. And looking ahead and saying, I sure hope this other thing happens. And as a result of that, you're torn between the past and the future and you're suffering in the moment. So we have to begin to give shape to our lives every moment that we live. And that's difficult in a world that is filled with bad news. As a matter of fact, if you turn on CNN or Fox, it doesn't matter who you turn on. Let me tell you, they're selling news by negativity. Rarely do you hear anything positive. As a result of that, most conversations are about how bad the economy is, how bad things are in North Korea, what's going to happen if we have nuclear war. I think I'm going to find the warhead, stand under it, and just go ahead and get a fast pass to heaven. I mean, why are we worried? If you really believe in heaven and Jesus, why do we really stink and care if we die? Listen, I want to leave this earth with some debt so I can wave bye-bye and say, y'all, deal with the mortgage. I mean, we worry about things that we shouldn't be worrying about, think about things we shouldn't be thinking about, instead of declaring what God has told us to declare. We talk about our, our problems instead of talking about His promises. And He said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers us from them all. If you're under an affliction right now, you're going through a difficult time, you just need to start declaring truth. Well, and this is what they say. I See, I have two degrees in theology, so... 
I've had the debates with theology professors and other theologians, and I've had these debates, and, you know, they argue whether God will really do today what he did then. And, you know, some people say, well, you've heard it, you've seen the post, that, you know, that was an age of miracles when Jesus was on earth. And uh, let me just tell you something. We don't serve an age of miracles. We serve a God of miracles. If Jesus was that way when he was walking on the earth, that's the way he is today. The challenge is how we have created this paradigm in our mind and in our thought life that God is removed from our crisis. But in John 16, when Jesus said, in the world you have tribulation or you have trouble, he said, take courage. He didn't say wait on courage. He said, possess courage, for I have overcome the world. So it's all about addressing your thoughts every day. It would be very easy for me to be bitter. It would be very easy for me to be sour on things. It would be very easy for me to be unforgiving. But let me tell you something. I know that those are poisons that destroy me and they don't hurt anybody else. So in your life, you have to talk to yourself. And you know what? It's even okay if you answer yourself nowadays. I have realized having a conversation with me, at least I can say to me, both sides of me, what I want to say to me and not be offended. Because they're one and the same person. And so we need to learn how to use our mouth. Your mouth will give shape to your life and your future. Your mouth will either contribute to the unhealthy thoughts that you have or they will create healthy thoughts that line up with the word of God. So you have to say what God says about you. In order to say what God says about you and your circumstances, you have to know or go to the Bible and address those things. Somebody asked me after 930, said, well, what, what do you do every day? I confess the word of God every day over my life. Why? Because I know that the world is not going to do that. It's going to tell me everything I'm not. Why are you preaching again? When I started preaching again after all of my debacle and and international scandal, whatever you want to call it. When I started, you have to think differently because you hear people who criticize. And you know, I went back to one scripture. That's all I did because you can argue with people all you want, but at the end of the day, God is the ultimate judge of your future and your life. You either agree with the judge or the critics. And when I went to scripture, I found this one verse that said, and it depends on which translation you're reading, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. That's the New International Version. Uh, the New King James, I believe, reads that the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. That means that God will never take them back, that you don't renew them, they never leave you. And so what we have to be careful for is listening to people, uh, the wrong people, um, address your situation in your life. Your life, at the end of life, will be the result of the decisions that you made, not the result of the decisions other people made. If other people have been critical of you, or mean to you, or unkind to you, and, and, and you end up saying, well, you know, my whole life I was beat down. My whole life nobody encouraged me. Then you need to do what David did and encourage yourself in the Lord. I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and my God lives in me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He who began a good work in me will bring it to fulfillment or completion until the day of Christ Jesus. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against me will be defeated. Though my enemies come at me from one direction, they will have to flee in seven. This is not a one-time deal or a one-shot deal. This is a daily walk with God. And you know what? 
He has got everything in his hands. If, if the problem is we remove them from his hands. I'll never forget a conversation that I had with my dad, and we didn't have a lot of conversations. Grew up lower middle class. I mean, the poor people, we didn't belong anywhere. The poor people thought we were rich, and the rich people thought we were poor. We couldn't find a category for us. And so, you know, I, 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 one day I, I had this vision. I had a dream in me. I knew I was different than my brothers. I got an older brother and a younger brother, and they both got hit with a short stick. They're 5'8 with heels. And so all of a sudden, I'm this tall guy. I got light hair. And don't you ever say anything, but it is light. <laughs> and I got, I, so I got this light hair. I got different color eyes. And I always thought, you know, I, 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 there's no way I'm a part of this family. I never felt like I fit in. I was tall. They were short. I was always upbeat and laughing. They were always kind of down. I was the clown in the family, and God knows we needed one. And so I remember coming into the house one day, and I was just grew up in this little neighborhood, and I watched people, you know, just going through the routines of life, but I didn't feel like I belonged. Any of you ever felt like you didn't belong? I felt like I don't belong here. I didn't feel like I was better than anybody else, but I just didn't feel like I belonged. All these people were sad, and then you go to church, and you're supposed to be celebrating Jesus. It looked more like a funeral. That's how come when I come to church, it's going to be lively. And some of y'all just can't figure us out. You keep coming back trying to. You ain't never going to be able to. We're just happy people. We're just happy we ain't going to hell. We're happy there's hope. We're happy there's life. We're going to celebrate it. Some of y'all have never been in a place where they raise their hands. But you'll go to a Thunder game and act like a total idiot. That's always amazed me how we can go jump up and down for a bunch of people who are going to the same hell we're going to. If we don't turn. But we come to church and we're, we're expected to act prim and proper and dignified. Trust me, when, when the horse comes out of the sky with Jesus on it, with sweatpants written down the side, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, there ain't going to be one person without goosebumps. And a skip in your step saying, thank God this deal's over. I can't even say what I'm thinking right now. I just know what I want to do on my way up looking down at Satan. That's what I'm thinking about. And all you sick minds will get it going, I'm thinking the same thing. <laughs> anyway, so I'm sitting there with my dad, and, and he's speaking to me from his paradigm, okay? You were raised under the paradigm of your parents. And your parents were raised under the paradigm of their parents, they typically embrace, from generation to generation, you embrace the culture in which you were brought up. If you were brought up in a lower middle class culture, you typically cannot see a way out because your parents, in their ignorance or in their desire to see you not be a dependent anymore, say, get a job, uh, work 30, 40 years, have a good pension plan, and retire. This is how generation to generation to generation looks the same. That's the reason when one person breaks out of a family, it doesn't look like they belong to that family because they changed everything. Well, I'm sitting across from a father who grew up in a family of 12, did not have his first pair of shoes until he was five years old. Okay, so he knew poverty. And out of, as a result of knowing poverty, he learned to work very hard. But he did not learn how to make a lot of money. He just knew he wasn't going to go hungry again. And he was a great dad. But 
he had set limits on life based on his paradigm. I couldn't relate to my father. And so one day I'm sitting across the kitchen table and I said, Dad, I said, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of this community. I said, I'm going to buy a motorcycle and I'm going to see America. You know, I mean, that was, of course, like 882 years ago, you know, it seems like. And, and so my dad looked at me and here, here, here was his response. His response to me was this. Son, life is not a merry-go-round. I didn't say. I said I was going to motorcycle. I wasn't going to buy a merry-go-round. <laughs> I said, I said, and my response back, I'll never forget it, was this. And I don't know where it came from because I had nobody to teach me this. I said, Dad, life is what you make it, and I'm going to make it something different. And I did, I, it came out of my mouth, and it resonated. Those words resonated with what was in me. And I thought, well, that was a bold thing to say to my dad. He didn't have a response back. So I thought, okay, this is a good thing. So it wasn't long after that. I still wasn't living for God. I'm still trying to find my way in the world. How many of you know that you're creating the image and likeness of God? The DNA of heaven is resident in your life. So you wonder how you can possibly dream things you've never seen and say things you've never heard. It's because God made you special. God has something unique for each and every person. That's why our fingerprints are all different. And one day on a construction site, I was so lost, but I had something in me that was burning. I knew that there was more to life than what I had seen. And oftentimes that thought, we apprehend the wrong thought. You ha apprehend. That'd be like somebody, a, a police officer arresting a guy who had never done anything wrong and putting him in prison. A lot of you arrest the wrong thoughts. They're right thoughts that you, you can't investigate enough to determine whether they're right. So you arrest them for fear that somebody's going to think you're crazy. So you never say anything about them for fear that you'll be criticized and judged for dreaming big. And let me tell you something, since most people are not dreamers, you will be criticized for dreaming. All you have to do is ask Joseph, whose brother sold him, threw him in a pit, and wanted to kill him. All because of a dream. All because he believed God for something different than anybody else had ever seen at that time. So I'm laying on a, uh, uh, it's a beautiful sunny day outside of Tulsa. I was working for a guy who owned a construction company, and believe it or not, I got to drive bulldozers. There is nothing more manly. If you want testosterone to go up, sit on the seat of a bulldozer. Second, start it. And then, then put it in motion. And let me tell you, you will elevate. You will not need hormone replacement. It is so much fun. And you know, it's a good thing it wasn't close to anybody's house that I didn't like because I might have just run over them with a bulldozer back in the day. We were taking a break on this beautiful sunny day. It was just me and Roscoe. I've only known one Roscoe in my life, and it was him. And he was jacked up. We should never been on. I think he was high most of the time. We're using heavy equipment. Some of you go, wow, cool. So, 
Roscoe and I, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure on this day he was floating. I mean, and so we're, we're at lunch, we're sitting there, and I'm looking up into the sky, and there was an airplane that, that flew across this beautiful, pristine, cloudless sky on that day. And I looked up, and I looked over at Roscoe, and I said, Roscoe, someday I'll be on an airplane like that, and I'll be going all over the world. you got to understand, I was lost. I didn't know God. Nobody. My mother is 88 years old next month, has never even stepped foot on an airplane. My dad died at 84 and had stepped foot on one little bitty aircraft that flew around an airfield, and that was it. I didn't come from a long line of dreamers. I didn't come from a line of people who actually articulated what they wanted. They just simply took what life brought to them, addressed it, dealt with it, and, and that was every day, day in and day out. So I, that day, I said, I will be on airplanes. And I will be going around the world. Now, understand something. That came from in here, and it came out of here. How many of you know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God? So if you want to produce faith in your life, what you say will inspire faith in you to see things happen. You, if you're negative all the time, you discount and negate the promises of God. I'll show you in a minute. That's what Israel did. So what happened? Well, later on, guess what? I have been to Australia, Shanghai, Beijing, Johannesburg, Nigeria, Cape Town, London, Paris, Netherlands, all over the world. As a result, I am convinced of that one moment where I said, Someday. Now, I didn't know I would be doing it for Jesus. I guess that was the catch. He's thinking he has no idea what this is going to cost him. He's going to do what I tell him to do. I bought him. He belongs to me. doesn't belong to himself. I'll put you on an airplane. But you're going to go where I want you to go when I want you to go there. I said, that sounds good to me. Just pay the fare and upgrade me as often as you can. Can you imagine what Orville and Wilbur Wright were thinking when they looked in the air and they saw birds flying? And they went, we'd sure like to do that. And then they went and told their dad, we want to build something. It will allow us to do what birds do. And I'm sure the dad went, where's the weed? <laughs> but they had it in here. Something in here said, we can do something that we've never seen done. And let me tell you something. The something you're called to do... It's not always connected to your level of intelligence, but it will always be connected to your level of faith. Because God will use the foolish things to confound the wise. Some of the wealthiest people in the world are not the smartest people in the world. They're just the people that didn't know they weren't the smartest people in the world. And they decided to do something and believe they could and tell themselves they could. And they never let anybody talk them out of what Jesus put on the inside of them. So when I came back to this city, I said, the latter shall be greater than the former. I'm not going to worship the past. I'm going to worship God who's creating a pathway to the future. God, let me tell you, your best days are ahead. Your future is brighter than your past. 
And I know that that doesn't get applause because you're sitting there scratching your head going, I don't know if that's true. Listen, you need to know that it's true because the latter shall be greater than the former and the glory of God shall shine brighter and brighter because the Bible says we're going from glory to glory. Some of y'all stopped at a past glory. The reason Abraham ended up in Haran was because his dad didn't do what God said and have the faith to go all the way into Canaan. They camped there. And finally, one day God says, I told your daddy to go to Canaan. Now, Abraham, I want you to get up and I want you to leave this place and I want you to go to a land that I will show you. If you ever want to walk in the promises of God, it will require faith in God beyond what you've seen, beyond what you've been told you can or cannot do. You have to believe. If you start speaking to people where they need to become or where you would like to see them, they will eventually get there. But if you talk to them about where they are right now, they will stay where they are. We have to elevate our faith. We have to elevate people's faith. And you do that by using words. Words are critical to your future. I can will set you on course to I can. I can't will put the brakes on your life. Well, you know, it wasn't meant to be. Well, I grew up here. I have obstacles in my life. There are bad things that happen. You have no idea. If you only knew, here's what I do know. I know a God who's more important than what I ever knew could or couldn't be. And he said, if I tell you it's so, it is so. As it is written... Speaking to Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, Paul's telling the church at Rome, in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Listen to this. God calls things that are not as though they were. Okay, so who are you going to emulate? Who am I going to emulate? Am I going to speak to these things that are not as though they were? Or am I going to look around and say, well, this is where my daddy lived. This is as good as my family lived. And I don't want to offend anybody. So I'm just going to do what my family does. Let me tell you something. I loved my family, but I had more in me than my family had going for them. And I was not going to be held back by what I saw with my eyes. I was going to move forward by what I had in my heart. And I will continue to move forward by what I have in my heart. And nobody or nothing and all the gates of hell shall not prevail against the promises of God. Yeah. Proverbs 18.21. Listen to this. You've heard it a million times. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. What you say will give design to who you become and what you are. I would not be standing here today if I believed the opinions of man. But when you know God's opinion, it makes every man's opinion irrelevant. So when you listen to somebody say, you can't do this, you can't do that, it'll never happen for you, you've done too much. Listen, Jesus paid for your too much. And he is the God of more than enough. So your sin in light of his cross cannot be seen. 
Jesus died. God sees you through the cross. He sees you through the blood of Jesus. It's not about your performance. It's about your faith in His performance that changes everything in your life. So people say, well, why isn't it happening for me? Because you don't believe it will. You have thoughts that turn into thinking. You get up every day believing what your thinking is telling you. The Bible says the footsteps of a righteous man or good man are ordered by God. But that only happens if a life is submitted and surrendered to God. We're looking at all the horizontal. We're looking at all the things happening around us instead of addressing the things that are happening within us. We're trying to behave in such a way that God will be moved by our behavior. God is not moved by your behavior. God is moved by your faith. You and I will never be good enough to get what God has for us. But we can have faith enough and put in works with that faith that God will produce for us. It's very simple. You can look around this world today and you can see evil people who are prospering. Nobody can argue that. You can see evil. Let me tell you why they do. Because they believe they can. I know it irritates religious people. Why do they have all the money? Because they exercise more faith than you who call yourself a believer. I don't get mad at people who prosper whether they're good or bad. I'm going to learn from them. And, you know, I'm going to ask them questions. And, you know, they, they can leave Jesus out if they want. It doesn't matter. I got Jesus in me, so I don't need them to tell me I got him in me. But I'm telling you, these are principles that will work across the board. Believing Jesus. Declaring what he declares. Like I said earlier, when you have a need that's greater than your belief system, it will change your belief system. When you say, I don't want to have surgery. Okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to declare past tense. By your stripes, I was healed. If you're going through something, that's what we believe. So well, what if it doesn't happen? What if you die? What, are you going to kick me in the coffin? There's nothing, man. Somebody said, but he said he was going to be healed. And look at him now. I'm in heaven, baby. What, are you going to rub that in my face? I don't think so. What's it cost to believe? Sometimes you'll look ridiculous. When I say that there'll be thousands in this room, why? Because the latter shall be greater than the former. When I look at the life of Job and the story of Job, Job had everything in one day. In one day, everything started happening. He lost his kids. He lost his wife. He lost his family. He lost his flocks. He lost his herds. Everybody's coming, and they're attacking Job, and they're criticizing. That's how come they call him. How would you like to have Job's friends? No friends at all. They're trying to figure out what's wrong with Job. And Job had this confession. Job didn't care. He listened all the time, but he said, finally, he'd look at him. And he would say, though he slay me, Job talking about God, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Job said, this is my declaration. You will not turn me away from my God. And at the end of his life, in Job chapter 42, it said he had twice as much as he did before and that the latter was greater than his former. Listen, don't you ever quit. Don't you ever stop. Don't you ever give up. Don't you ever give out. Don't you ever give in. You fight the good fight of faith. It's a joy when you can represent God and declare things that people get mad at you about. When you're happy and they're, they're cutting you down, you say, oh, thank you for those things that you said about me. Those are going to help me soar. 
But I just criticize you. I know it's providing lift to my soul. It's like an airplane taking off into the wind. If there's a strong north wind and I've flown all over the world, let me tell you, I can tell you every time without any avionics which direction the pilot is going to take off in. When I walk to the airport and the wind's out of the north, I know that we're going to be going from the south to the north. Why? Because the wind resistance is what provides the lift for the airplane. Let me tell you, negative words ought to be the lift for your soul, what you need to say. Thank you for your resistance. Now I'm going to take off and I'm going to soar and be what God's called me to be. But you have to silence the voices, and I'm going to close with this scripture out of Numbers chapter 13. You may remember that in the Old Testament, Israel was promised what's called the promised land, Canaan. Land flowing with milk and honey. As a matter of fact, uh, when, when the spies, there were 12 spies, one from every tribe of Israel that was sent into the promised land. They were getting close. They had endured all these years of, of difficulty and eating manna and complaining. And I mean, if I would have been Moses, I would have beat them with a stick. I would have taken my, bam. People were negative, and, and, and God is like, how do I get through these people? So finally, 12 tribes uh, send one spy from each tribe. They go in, and they bring back fruit from the land that they had spied out. Now, some of you may remember the story. The fruit was so heavy that it took men carrying a pole and hanging the fruit on the pole. Now, let me tell you why God's doing this. God is trying to change the way they think. They've seen despair, they've eaten manna, they've, eat, they've just had nothing. And all of a sudden God says, I want you to know that I'm a rewarder of those who diligently seek me. So he brings back the fruit, these spies bring back the fruit, okay? And God is saying, I want to show you what's before you. God says, I want you to see it because you're going to have to change your thinking in order to get all the way in. How many of you know it's not over until it's over? You don't get finished because you're a two-step from the finish line. You've got to cross the finish line. Israel's at the finish line. They haven't crossed it. But God's saying, man, if you'll just believe me, if you'll just declare, if you'll keep following me, I'm going to take you to a place and give you things you've never dreamed you could ever possess. Say, so bring the fruit back. Twelve spies. Two of those spies were Caleb and Joshua the other ten spies were sissies. I can say that with faith. And it says, They came back to Moses and Aaron, the whole Israelite community of Kadesh, and the desert of Paran. There they reported to them, to the whole assembly, and showed them the fruit of the land. Now let me tell you something. God wants you to believe. He'll do everything He can to help you believe. There was a man named Roger Bannister who was a doctor. He also enjoyed running. And one day, Bannister felt like, you know what? Nobody has ever broken the four-minute mile, four mile barrier. And so Roger Bannister, being a, a medical person, decided that he was going to figure out a way to do it. All the medical community said it will never happen. The human body cannot sustain a pace that great. The heart will blow up. The lungs will burst. There's no way this will ever happen. So Roger Bannister set out in his mind and had it in his heart something different than anybody else had ever believed or endeavored to do. Everybody else was running to win a race. He was wanting, running to break a record. And Roger Bannister finally broke the four-minute mile barrier. Listen to what happened after he did. 
The, it says just days after and weeks after, many other runners began to break the four-minute mile, mile barrier. Why? Because all of a sudden they saw somebody else do it, and it forced them to believe it could be done. And guess what? It started happening. God wants you to see what can be done. God wants you to be a testimony to other people so that they will believe, change their thinking, and they will achieve their goals in life. So they come back. All these guys are given the report, and it says they gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. That's true. Here is its fruit. But how many times have you heard yourself say, but, and start discounting everything that you've just heard, everything that's been said, everything you've seen, but it could never happen to my family, but it could never happen to me, but it won't happen in my life because I didn't score well enough. But, 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 instead of looking and saying, I'm going to go get me some groceries. I'm going into the land. We're going to take it. No, that's not what happens. The people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak, which were giants. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan, which means it's going to make it real difficult for us to pass. Then Caleb, listen to this, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. What caused one man to be different than the other ten who saw the same things? Let me tell you the difference. Caleb saw the fruit. They saw the giants. It's time for you to start looking at the fruit and looking at the reward. Quit looking at the problems. Quit looking at the giants in your life and believe that God can and God will. So check what you're saying and stop. It is impossible for us to fail if we believe. My favorite story, I've told it a million times, but I get energized. I want to hear it whether you do or not, and then I'm finished. Some of you will hear it, and you're just, you're just going to hear it again and again and again. Two little boys, identical twins, raised in the same home by the same parents in the same culture. One kid was so freaking optimistic that his parents thought, man, we're going to have to calm this kid down because he's going to encounter a lot of disappointments in life. And the other little kid was just negative, pessimistic, never believed anything, was a recluse, went to his room. He was just negative all the time. And the parents were concerned because they're identical twins and they're going to grow up together. And, and she didn't want either one of them to be dysfunctional. So the parents took him to a psychiatrist. Psychiatrist himself was like, man, we, we need to do something. So they decided a, a treatment to try to level things out. And uh, so they, they take the two kids in these rooms, one-way mirrors where the parents could see, but the kids couldn't see them. And they put them in separate rooms. The room for the little pessimistic negative kid who didn't think anything good would ever happen had, was filled with toys, everything a kid could ever possibly dream of. It was just filled with bliss, everything. So that if we put him in this room, he sees all of this, he's going to start believing better things. He's going to become optimistic like his brother. Well, they take the real positive kid and they put him in a room and it's filled with nothing but horse manure. And they thought, you know, this will teach him, you know, he's going to have to, you know, not everything's great. Because he just got manure. And so they leave him in there for a while, and they go to the window where the little kid is, where he's got everything, a little negative, pessimistic, 
kid, and, and he's just sitting in the middle of the floor like this. He's just the way he always has been, because that's what was in him. They thought just toys and all that would change him, but nothing happened. They thought, well, let's go see what, what's happening to our optimistic son. So they go and they look in there, and I mean manure is flying all over the place, hitting the windows, hitting the walls. I mean, just manure, just everywhere. His kid's up to his earlobes in manure. And they freaked out, so they opened the door. They were, what are you doing? What are you doing? He said, with this much manure, there's bound to be a pony in here somewhere. Y'all got to stop looking at the uh and start looking for the pony because God's got something underneath all this mess in your life that's going to change your future. We're done. Your future is not dependent on how you were raised. It has nothing to do with your past. Stop blaming your mama and daddy. Stop blaming where you were grown, grow, grew up. Stop blaming everybody in your life for where you are today. And start designing your future. Because you know what? It's all up to you now. You, you, can, you can keep talking about the past all you want. Anything will change one thing except you. It's going to make you more bitter and less better. It's time for you to start looking and saying, you know what? My poor mom and daddy did the best they could. They did the best they could. And you know what? I'm thankful for them because I wouldn't be here without them. But I'm not living in the shadow of somebody else's dreams. I've got my own. And I'm going to live my dream. You can criticize it. You can judge me. You can do whatever you want to do. But my footsteps are ordered by God. And I'm going from glory to glory. And everything that God has for me is going to be in my hands. For whatsoever things my hand touch shall prosper. Every place the soles of my feet tread I shall possess. You can be critical all you want. I'm not going to apologize for one blessing from heaven. You get to rejoice with me. Or you get to be bitter and critical and cynical about it. I suggest you get on board with me and dream. It's a lot of fun. If somebody's doing well in your neighborhood and everybody else is criticizing them and jealous of them... Become their best friend. They might bless you. Don't get mad at people who are doing good. Get friends with them. They'll teach you. Come on, people. Don't let the human nature overshadow the God nature. The God nature is what's going to bring you into joy and peace. And better things in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness your mercy. Thank you that you are a patient God who desires for us to have great things, and God beginning with a joy unspeakable. With every head bowed and every eye closed, there are those of you that say, man, where does this all begin? Well, isn't it interesting that in John, I mean, Romans chapter 10, it says that if we'll confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, notice again, confession, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we'll be saved. And so it all begins with confessing. Confess with your mouth believe in your heart your heart doesn't believe at birth so your confession addresses your sinful heart and then it changes the way you believe and you become saved this is not about how good you are what you do or do not do it's where you are focusing your faith and you say man i'm not a christian today but i want to be we're going to pray a prayer 
and your confession is going to change your direction. So pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for me. Jesus, today I repent of my sin and I confess with my mouth you are the Lord of my life. I believe in my heart that I am born again. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.